Good, good. Matthew 5, verse 1 to 4. We'll do with the New King James first. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, just to put things in context, Jesus preached a message of repentance, and people started coming to him. But this was the first time in the Bible that he sat down to teach them. Okay? So, if he sat down to teach them, you would think, right, hey, it's important. These are the very first words of Jesus teaching the crowds. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Beatitudes. Okay? So the very first thing, and I go, go, I'm going to read it even from the Passion Translation. Apparently the Passion is my new translation. <laughs> One day Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up to the slope of a hill and sat down with his followers and disciples spread over the hillside. Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. So, we like that verse, blessed, you know. How many of you like the word blessed, right? We like the word blessed. And what, what is funny was this popped into my heart while we were doing a worship at our house. And we were just worshiping and praying. And then suddenly it just, like, I don't try to prepare a message. I just let him basically speak to us. And in that drop, so some of you all have heard this a little bit, at least, what I shared in my heart when I heard it. Like, my processing time is less than 10 minutes. Like, when I hear it, and I just give it away, because, hey, the more I give, the more I receive. So, so the word blessed seems to be something that we all enjoy, we like, right? Kirk would like this one, right? The verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Now, the problem of the word blessed is the limited understanding we have in English. The word blessed is not only that, right? So you have to go back in, which is very funny, because I was like wondering why it's saying the word is Aramaic. Because you think New Testament, everything is Greek. Old Testament is Aramaic. But it's very funny. In this very two verses, they use Aramaic and they use a Greek word. And it's very funny, but I, I have no idea why. Now, Aramaic was the language used in Galilee. If you knew where Jesus was from, that was the language used that was Aramaic at that time, right? And so the word blessed, the Aramaic word is called Tu-we-hun. Almost sounds like, you know, a Malaysian place. Tu-we-hun. But that, that's the Aramaic word for it. And Tu-we-hun means enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, delighted, blissful, content, and blessed. And we try to put all these things into one word called blessed. Okay? 
You see, the problem with reading the Bible is we read it, and then we only understand what we understand superficially. And that's why it says, hey, go read again. Study the word, you know, because you can read it like, and you can just get what is on the surface and you can just scrape and you think that, oh, wow, I, I know everything. And this is where the verse comes in. Tuwehun implies great happiness, prosperity, abundant goodness, and delight. The word they use over there, bliss, captures all this meaning. Okay, who can help me with this word bliss? What is bliss to you? You know, does anybody have something? To me, bliss is when you're just so excited. I was at a gas station yesterday filling gas, and this guy was screaming. He was like, yeah, yeah. You know, to him, he was excited, you know, and he was happy. There was a great happiness. That is bliss. Like to me, you know, Christine's not here, but if Christine ran around, she has that bliss. Like there's that, like, you know, the jumping joy, and like she just has that. And <clears throat> to me, that, that is what it is. But now I'm going to flip this on you also because we, we are going from blessed, saying we are going to bliss. Now, what causes you to be at bliss when you're happy? When everything that you have, you're content, you're happy, right? We, have, we are in the bliss, right? So the word I would use, to reach a state of bliss or perfect happiness typically so as to be oblivious of everything else, right? Alan is blissful right now. <laughs> I had to figure it out. <laughs> Sorry. No, but, but, but that's what it is. So he's oblivious of like what you're doing in the back, what you're, everything, right? So he's just, hey, I'm at a state of bliss. I'm forgotten everything around me and all that. So that's <laughs> exactly. So, so th this is what it is. It's like, and it's perfect happiness, great joy. That's what bliss is. But the opposite of, not opposite, but really the other meaning of bliss or tuwehun means to have the capacity to enjoy union and communion with God. Now, that becomes tricky when you tell Christians because they don't know how to be in union and communion with God and be blissful. Because they're not excited. It's a chore. It's a discipline. Praying becomes like, mm, yeah. Like worship becomes like that way. I'm like, oh my God, how many minutes more? How much longer? Come on, Alan, today you need to bring it better. My coffee was not good, you know. But I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to show up because I'm called to show up, you know. We, we were in Seattle for, a, what do you say, like a conference a few weeks ago. And one of the things this 28-year-old kid told us was I teach my team two things. One, how do we get God in this place? Two, how do we keep God in this place? If you came into this place saying, Alan is going to bring God in this place and he's going to do that, I'm sorry, you have missed the mark. Your job, as of today, I'm, a, I'm giving it to you. Your job is not just wake up, drink your coffee, and show up. Your, quest, your question to you, I'm giving you these two things. What is it going to take for me to bring God in this place? First, once he comes here, once God is moving, your, the second question is, how am I going to keep him? Does he need your prophetic word? I'm, I'm putting a very high level onto you now. Does he need your prophetic word to flow when he is in this place? 
I, I challenge the media team that I get the opportunity to pray with. I love praying with them. They're like one of the stalwarts I meet really. And I tell the media team, is like the song, you know, we sing, you know, when the robe of his enters the temple. What's the song? The train of his robe enters the temple. I said, if you are following the train of his robe, you have missed the mark. We're, saying, we're singing the song. We're thinking we're doing this religious experience. Oh, the train of his robe. I was like, your media, where is Jesus? On your screenshot, I want to see Jesus. I want the very person of Jesus to be captured. I don't care about the train of the temple or the robe or whatever. And I don't care. I said we will document when people touch his robe and get healed. But that is not the important thing. He is the important thing. He who, he who walks, that means if I'm following the train of the temple, that means Jesus has passed me by. As a church, we have to get back to that understanding that he is the most important thing. Not the train of his robe. Not the shiny robe, not the miracles, not all the signs and wonders. It is Him. And He may come in the lowliest form, but you have to follow Him. What does it take in your life to bring Him in this place? This morning, that's your challenge. Every week you're going to come in with that. And this is you now. I've given you a question and I've given you a responsibility as a church what will it take for you to bring him in this place? It's not somebody else's. It's not like you can nudge your neighbor and say, "Ah, oh, you do that. I'm not going to do that. No, each of us are responsible when we hear the word of God. This is the very act that we have to basically decide what is it going to take. Is it going to take a sacrifice? Ooh, that's painful. Jesus is talking. <laughs> Jesus... The first words Jesus is teaching is teaching such hard stuff. He's talking about, hey, you've got to be blissful in communion with me. Wait, but Jesus, I just got saved. Oh, yeah, we've dumbed it down for people because we said, ah, no, it's little, you know, eat little milk, drink little milk and all that. Jesus never came up with that concept. He's straight out saying this. He's saying, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? And I've not even gone to the spiritual poverty side. I've only stuck at blessed and blissful. And I say, this is meaning that it isn't to be in communion with him. We basically tell everybody, slowly you will get in communion with him. No, no, no. The first thing that the most important thing is when you're in communion with him, that you are the happiest. Everything else that people tell you, like I can give you a prophetic word and I can say, hey, Vic, this is what you're going to do and all. But that is not your identity. Do you get that? Do you get that? I don't want you to strive out of that place where you're suddenly striving for, for what you can do or what I'm supposed to do. That happens. Ministry happens. People have spent their lives basically doing ministry and have no identity of who he is. Have never come and stood into this blissful place where he is my everything. Ha! And when you say he is my everything, everything in you just gets watered and overflowing. And you come into that place of union, in union with him and you're blissful and you're thanking him. And you just say, oh, I can't wait to love you more, Jesus. I can't wait to love you more. Ha! Jesus, ah, what false responsibilities we have taken. What yokes we have put on ourselves that are not our yokes. 
He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You were made to have union and communion with him. That is your yoke. One thing, one thing, union and communion with him. You can read the Bible hundred times and not even know who he is. This is saying, okay, I'll go back to New King James, okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can have the kingdom of heaven but not know the king. This is the worst part of it. We basically can teach you this is how the kingdom of heaven operates, but I've never met the king because I'm working from a place of what I'm told to work, 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 work. And I've never come into that place where, wow, Jesus, I love you. And I'm settled in that. I love you, Jesus, full stop. Ha! You all are looking to, oh, Jesus, I need to do something for you. Everything inside me, all the gifts that you gave me. I need to give a prophetic word. I need to raise the dead. I need to heal the sick. Not necessary. You will do it. My shadow is going to raise the dead. I don't have to even try. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have to basically stand in that authority and say, yeah. Sometimes I don't like to even touch people. I just will do it here. Because he's touching me. I just say that way. There's way. As if he doesn't know. <laughs> but that, that's how I basically, I'm happy. I don't feel the pressure of doing ministry. I feel the love of God. That's why I told you the one thing that he said today morning was tell my people that I love them the way I love you. The way I love you. He loves each of us. Every person in this place. Every person. You could be even hearing this message. And the love of God is ready to reach you. Oh, yeah. I felt that brewing of the spirit. And the brooding is important. You know, when the earth was without shape, without form, when you think our lives are, you know, uh, God, what is this and all that. As the word is going out, the brooding of the spirit, the mist of the Holy Spirit, causes the word to slip in deeper into our hearts till it comes to a place where the word dies in our heart. And then it brings fruit. We need the brooding of the Holy Spirit. You see, what has happened is like when we allow it to just go down and we think we have to reproduce, we put that false responsibility on ourselves. And we try to reproduce stuff, and it is out of our flesh. Because I can read the Bible, I can pray, and I can do the things of God. But I want to come into that real thing where I'm really relying on God. You know? Oh. I like the word bliss, by the way. Bliss. You know, they should make a chocolate by the name Bliss. Right. So it's just like, you know, th then I can, you know, give you all, all one chocolate and I say, yeah, now this is what Bliss feels like. I tell people when I went to Switzerland and I went to the chocolate factory the first time, they didn't give me water, okay? But they allowed me to eat all the chocolate I wanted. And I ate and I ate and I ate 
The court got fed up of me. She felt embarrassed of me. There were stages she was going. She's like, he's eating, and he's eating, and he's eating, and he's eating. I was like, hey, this came from Madagascar. This came from Africa. This came from that. But the cows are from Switzerland, and so I'm eating. And as I'm eating and eating, I didn't even care there was no water. I was in such a blissful state. I enjoyed it so thoroughly, you know. And we walked out, and there was the shop to buy the chocolate. And that's how we bought half a suitcase of chocolate. <laughs> See, they prayed on my blissful state to make me buy all the chocolate. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's important for us to get to that place where we are just not, you know, I find more people in church are sorrowful. And they think Jesus wants that. And I don't think that's what he is. See, your very understanding of who the nature of Jesus is, I think, flawed. Because we feel that, oh, and I love to cry, okay? If you have not seen me, I cry more than, I don't know, like, you know, whatever. I like this. That's why I was like, snot and all that. This is part of my heritage, I guess. <laughs> Tears, snot, and all that. But, but he wants us to be joyful. You will accomplish much when you're joyful for him. You see, we, we take on this sorrow and this burden which is not ours. He will give it to you if, you if you realize how to give it back to him. A lot of intercessors end up being sorrowful because they don't know how to release it back. They suddenly try to do it and they try to say, okay, now it's my this thing, I have to struggle with it. Hey, Jesus said, give it. You're called to just give it back and walk away. That's why I can sleep at night. I pray for people, but I don't hold on to that stuff because I just am able to give it back to him. Like, you know, you got to think like rain. The rain comes, hits the ground, the heat hits it, and then it evaporates and goes back. You're just doing that process, and you're just constantly giving it unto him. See, so we have to come to that place where we are like, okay, just, you know. Now, the flip side is through that we never pray. Right? See? And I'm guilty of it. I, I just have to tell you that, you know. So I'll take myself down from the pedestal and come down. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's what we do. We, we say these things, but God is calling us as a people to say, hey, come to this place of blissful union with me. He doesn't care about anything else. That's why when he went to those three disciples, he said, you couldn't wait and pray. It was the most toughest time of his life. It was nothing blissful. But his question to them was, hey, couldn't you wait and pray? That's the same question he asks us. He's like, hey, would you come to this place of being called blessed? You see, you'll be blessed in, you'll be blessed going out. The blessed is not about your money. The blessed is not about how well you are able to, what shiny cars you have or anything. But the blessed is you're in constant union with him where we are oblivious to the very happenings around you. You are not worried about what's going on. You're not worried about whether, oh, I have this, I have to eat, or I don't have this to eat. You're saying, even in this, I am blissful. What is the fun part of it is the second part of this first verse. So I'm only teaching you two verses, okay? I'm just breaking down two verses. Okay, the second part of this verse says the spiritual poverty, right? 
blessed are the poor in spirit. What is poor in spirit to you? Like, think, think. I want you to think. Because we just take things which are told to us and we walk away and we say, oh, we understood. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. You know, when I used to tell my teachers and all I got it, means I never got it, really. I, I knew zero and I came back with zero and I went back to my room with zero. And I understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I want to get out of that room. I don't want to be in that room where they're asking me questions, you know. But you can't leave now. <laughs> no, wait. You can. <laughs> it's 12.30. You can leave. So, okay, I'll just go with this one. When you feel your spiritual poverty, see, we will hunger for even more when we have attained a place where we have achieved a bliss, which is the extreme of happiness. And at that place, we will know we do not have enough of God for our lives. We don't have enough. When I come into this place where I'm like, I love you, Jesus, oh, you're so amazing. And suddenly on the flip side of it, the paradox is that I don't have enough. I, there's so much more of you that I need that I feel like a beggar right now that I just want more. I'm begging you to stay. I'm begging you to be in this place. The second part of it is how do we keep him in this place? Constantly, constantly begging him to say, God, when you're here, please don't go. We need you. We're hungry for you. He responds to that. He doesn't respond to your offertory. They'll build temples for that. They'll build buildings for that. But he responds to that offertory of your heart. While you're looking at Alan, he's waiting for you to respond to him. I can look at Alan and, you know, I'll be like, hmm, okay. Julie can look at him very differently and, you know. But he's not, the, like, he doesn't do anything to my heart. I, I'm being honest. Why, why would you waste your time in worship looking at Alan? There's nothing Alan's going to change. There's no fireworks going to come out. There's no gold dust going to blow up. But you're looking at Alan. And you have to ask yourself, hmm, what do I find so attractive about this man? And if you do, we will pray for you afterwards. But this is worship. And you think that I will look at Alan and, wow, everything in my heart will be settled it will move and it will buzz and I'll know, wow, what I'm doing today. This is where we are. Our worship is not unto Alan. Our worship is unto him. Our worship is into that place where we're just in union with him. And we're like, unto you, Jesus. Jesus, unto you. My body may be broken, but you were broken for my healing. And I receive that. I eat of this bread. You know, we... Okay, we, we made like... One of the books I used to read was Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Okay, so when we were saved, this is a long time ago, we were reading these kind of books. Now we're telling people, oh, A.W. Tozer has such high English you won't understand. The people who are watching all these Hobbit movies and all that, they go and they figure out how the Hobbit is, which kingdom it was and all. And we are telling them an A.W. Tozer book we won't understand. Who told you that? Why were we dumbing it down? Right. We were like, fine, it's, not, it's on my curriculum and I'll read it, okay. So this was our curriculum. A.W. Tozer writes this, to have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist. Right? When you're satisfied with what you have, you become a religionist because that's all you have. You're not a lover. 
you've just settled into religion. I'll take what it is, I'll make it sound like how it sounds, I'll shout the loudest hallelujah, and I'll be like, okay. But justified and happy experienced by the children of the burning heart. Your heart burns. It's like, hey, like, you know, Alan, could you just go on and worship? Or just let something happen, just stand there. Let the music play, let whatever, but I just want to continually, my burning heart wants to encounter the one who loves me the most. You see? St. Bernard stated that this holy paradox in a musical quatrain, quatrain means a four-line stanza, that will be instantly understood by every worshiping soul. Oh, that's the key. If you're not worshiping soul, you won't understand this. But if you're a worshiping soul, you will understand this, that your heart is burning, that even though you have found Jesus, you want more. This is the true heart of a worshiper. You see? He goes on to write this. We taste thee, O thou living bread. Okay? Jesus is the living bread. And long to feast upon thee still. I'm tasting him. I'm eating on him. And yet I'm waiting to feast upon him. You see the poor in spirit? That you have it, and yet you're looking for more. See, that, this, this is where we are. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. We're drinking of him. He said, come eat and drink of me. And yet we're saying, God, we need more. We're still hungry. We're still thirsty. You see, what we do is we replace the women at the well and saying the women at the well drank of him and she went and did revivals. And we tell people, is like, oh, wow. What if she didn't have to go? What if she just stayed over there and she drank and she drank and she drank? He would not bother. He was more than happy. He was not bothered about Mary. Martha was bothered about Mary. Jesus was not bothered about Mary. That, oh, Mary, why are you now on my feet? Okay, I just did my nails. Why are you now weeping? And, you know, he didn't care. He's like, yeah, this is rightful. You worship, you worship, and you worship, and you worship. This is a worshiping heart. Poor in spirit has only one remedy, trusting in God. This total reliance of God is the doorway into the kingdom realm. When you figure this out, you can come to learn about the kingdom of heaven. Otherwise, you have put the cart before the horse. You don't have Jesus. What is the kingdom without Jesus? There is no king. You have not basically pursued the king. I would learn off the king because when the king gives me the seal and the decree on my wrist or he gives me the ring, I have more authority to walk out of that place and say, this is what he wants. Rightfully, you would stand in the place and you say, no, this is what it is. So sickness has to go. So right now in this place, sickness, every form of sickness, I see in backs healed. If you're right now, you have any kind of back problem. Ma'am, I thought of your husband also, and I don't know whether it's a back kind of related thing. So right now, every person right now, just with your back. Jesus healing. I seen backs healed. Straighten, straighten, straighten. Right now. Every hip alignment right now. In Jesus' name. Everything, oh God, right now. Even every kind of scar tissue in the shoulder or any kind of thing right now. Just be healed. Be healed. Be healed. The Spirit of God is right now in this place. So right now. Just more. Yeah. 
I'm okay with one verse being preached. Because the second one says, it's very easy. You can read it on your own. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. We tell ourselves we are longing for this, we want this, we want that. But you really don't even know what you want because you have not been in the presence of God. You have not waited on Him. The word wait and mourn are the same in the Greek. We say, oh, but when this comes, I will be happy. Really? Is that what your purpose is? Because you don't know what your purpose is because you have not spent time with Him. And these are the first two verses Jesus is teaching the universal church. Is it difficult? This is your daily bread. Everything less than this is dumbed down. It's not Jesus. Teach the word. Teach the word. Teach the word. Even as I talk to you, I'm talking to myself. Teach the word. Teach the word. The true living word. The incorruptible seed. So, Lord, we just come to you right now, God, as a church, God, stand up. Let's go in with this. We want more of you. We want more of you. We want more of you. Knowing, oh God, that way we have more of you, oh God. The miracles, signs, and wonders will happen. But, Lord, you are the king, oh God, that our heart truly desires. You are the one, oh God, that our heart, oh God, rejoices and is blissful in meeting on a daily basis at the gate, daily, daily, daily. Jesus, you are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Come, Lord, reveal yourself. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Right now, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Welcome Him. Just welcome Him. Just say, I need this, God. I need this. I need this. I need this. Receive. 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 Yeah. I'm not pretty. Don't waste your time looking at me. I'm not pretty. He is pretty. He is beautiful. He is the lover of your soul. Look to Him. Look to Him. Look to Him. Look to Him right now. Just more. Just more. Every migraine, every headache, be gone right now. Jen, to you right now, let the healing power of God, the way same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, just let it fill you. Fill, 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 fill. Just right now. Every kind of addiction, addiction, addiction in this place. Right now. Come up in front right now. I don't care how you feel, what you feel, whether but God... The deliverance power of God is in this place right now. Um, you make a demand on it, you'll set free, you'll walk out of this place free. Right now. Every addiction, everything that you struggle with, whether even you struggle with loving God and you're trying to achieve it on a religious basis, just right now, come. Come. The love of God is in this place. Yeah. Jesus. You don't want to go back with all these baggage. You don't want to go back with all these things. Just more. Just receive. 
Father, we as a church come before you, O God, this morning, O God. And we're asking, O God, that you give us more hunger, O God. More hunger to know you. More hunger to chase after you. More hunger to run after you. More tears. More groanings. More travail. More understanding, O God, of who you are, O God. That everything else, O God, after we know you, O God, would fall into the right perspective, O God. And we would function live and move and have our being in you. So Lord, we just thank you, O God, this morning, O God, for what you're doing, O God. Lord, we cover every person in this place, O God, and their families, O God, with the blood of Jesus, O God. They're going in and they're coming out, O God, will be blessed, O God. They'll be blessed, O God, in the nations, O God. They'll be blessed, O God, in their households, O God. They'll be blessed, O God, and so that blessing, O God, of God, that adds no sorrow, O God, we release that, O God, right now. We release it, O God. And we just thank you for what you're doing, O oh God, this morning, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. 